0: For the modern enterprise, delivering more valuable brand interactions can be a lifeboat. Today's consumer is not buying a product or service, they're buying a brand experience. No one knows this better than Brian Solis, global innovation evangelist at Salesforce. He's a bestselling author and a principal analyst studying disruptive technology and its impact on business. Our topic today is one that explores his book titled, X, The Experience Where Business Meets Design. Let's dive into the conversation. Welcome to Now Brands Talk. This is a show for leaders who want to close the brand interaction gap and bridge that tricky divide between brands and the people who love them. Let's listen in. Brian, thank you so much for being with us here today. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thank you so much. It's it's awesome to be here. And I'm going to say finally, because we uh, we've been working on this for a while.
0: I'm so excited to have you. Where are you calling from today?
1: I am in a little surf village in Southern California called San Clemente.
0: Is that your way of telling me that you're a surfer?
1: No, I used to be a surfer when I was younger. Here, th- this is considered an Olympic training ground. Like, so I am not going out there and trying <laughs> to even fight for a wave with these locals. Uh, but it, but it is, every, everybody around me has surfboards on their cars. And so at some point, uh, I'm going to have to break down. But I won't. it won't be in my own town. I'll have to go someplace where someone older and, less talented like me can practice.
0: I'll be there as a spectator cheering you on. I don't think you could put me on the surfboard.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll, uh, I'll take any support I could get.
0: Awesome. All right, well, let's dive into the conversation. Salesforce obviously doesn't really need an introduction, but I'll ask you anyways to tell me about the brand and what you do there as a global innovation evangelist. It's such an interesting title.
1: You know, it is an interesting title and it, it it sort of stokes the imagination. So Salesforce is the number one uh, world's CRM company, but we're so much more than that. You know, we're really a, the platform for business transformation uh, and helping companies get closer to their customers and their employees uh, to basically deliver the type of experiences employees and customers need in this digital first world. And... As a global innovation evangelist, it sort of builds on my career as being a digital anthropologist, a principal analyst, and and a practicing futurist around translating these trends, understanding how technology is affecting or reshaping markets, how we work, how we shop, how we learn, and playing out those trends from a human centered perspective so that businesses aren't just using technology to digitize old processes, but that they're exploring ways to take this opportunity to transform their businesses, explore business model innovation for what's basically an entirely new era. I call it the novel economy, uh, one without a playbook.
0: Well, you mentioned something uh, in that description just now about the importance of experience. And that's really the topic of today. Um, and something that you have literally written a book about, the book about. Um, So I want to align on terminology before we go a little bit further. How would you define an experience?
1: Yeah, well, thank you for that. And and I'm going to jump in as the author of that book. Uh, It's called X. And the one before it was called WTF, What's the Future? And both build, they're like a brother and sister book, both build on this notion of experiences from the customer's perspective. So when we talk about CX or customer experience, I'll always put an apostrophe s, the customer's experience, because it's a it's a, a reminder that we tend to think about design and technology from the inside out. Look at the existing journey. Where can we make improvements? What do we need to digitize? What's missing? But the way that I design experience is based on that methodology around what does someone feel? What does someone think in any given touch point? And it's important because when I was writing the book, I tried to find an experience definition that I would just attribute to someone because I figured there had to, to be one. And it turns out that it's just, we get so you know, caught up in, in the buzzwords and the gobbledygook that we missed the entire essence of experience just simply as that emotional or intellectual reaction to a moment, how someone feels, and then how someone recalls it later is the experience. And that means that it is something that we have to think about from a, a human-centered perspective. So I, I, I can I can keep going, but I, I don't want to uh, geek out yet.
0: Yeah. I, I think we're already past that point. We're geeking <laughs> out hard right now on experience. Um, I, I like what you said about not defining experience from the inside out, but looking at it from the, the perspective of the customer. It makes me think of this you know, common refrain, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. It's really the experience is owned by the person you're building it for. And so I think right now, a lot of brands are still looking at the interactions they're having with their customers as tactical and transactional. And I'm curious, how would you advise leaders to shift their mindset towards thinking about experience from the customer perspective and designing for experience.
1: Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, this, this could take up an entire episode. so I'll do my best to keep it high level, but, but actionable. There's the mindset is where it begins. We are not our customers. I always uh, joke that I tried to be innovative, but I got stuck in meetings all day. Uh, you know, we have, we have people making decisions based on old data based on spreadsheets, based on siloed both data and also siloed organizations. Uh, we have politics and egos that are always in play. We have people who are in positions because they have spent their careers earning that position. But at the same time, you have this construct and you have the customer who is evolving, who's learning how to use technology in ways that benefit them. Uh, If you think about how social media and smartphones put them at the center of their own experiences, we created a a genre of, of digital narcissists. And they want things personalized. They want things their way. They want things faster. They become more demanding. And you create this experience divide, then, based on how businesses are thinking from the inside out, from the top down, how they're looking at all of these investments as cost centers, uh, and then you have the customer who is moving, wanting more things for me, me, me. Uh, they're moving faster and faster. Their brain is also being rewired as they use digital. So they're coming in and out of journeys in very different ways. They're being, uh, they're, they're being conditioned to think and act differently based on their favorite apps like TikTok or Instagram. And so the further that gap becomes, that experience divide, that's, that's where disruption happens and what we saw in the last last two years especially as people became more digital and digital first and mobile first that experience divide is actually leading people to experiment with new companies so for example in just the last year alone 71% of customers have switched brands. And they're going to continue to do so. So that mindset shift that you asked about has to start by saying, why? Why is this happening? What does our experience divide look like? And how can we start to close those divides? If you've ever watched the show Undercover Boss, uh, it it is what we need to give every executive, which is that Undercover Boss moment and what it feels like to be the customer, what it feels like to be an employee and how frustrating it can be uh, or how irrelevant it could be. uh, That we tend to forget that we're not our customer and we don't call our own customer service. We might not use our own products. We might not shop in our own stores or, or visit our own websites with certain desired outcomes. And so we just get into this mode of optimizing and scaling and making things more efficient and looking for ways to automate yesterday's experiences that were probably terrible to begin with. So there is some work that we have to do with inspiring our executives with that new narrative to connect the dots between them and people and how those people are evolving.
0: What you're saying really resonates with me. First of all, undercover boss, I can't bring myself. It's so emotional. I get so choked up at the end of the episode and I, I can't, I've had to stop watching it because it gets me every time. Um, and there's, there's <laughs> so much I could say about this. You make an interesting point about, technology, maybe it's developed for one thing, and then consumers use it for something completely different. And then it puts businesses, you know, on the receiving end of saying, okay, now people are, you know, Instagram wasn't initially made for people to connect with businesses, it was to post pictures and connect with your friends. But all of a sudden, customers want to discover your brand on Instagram, and suddenly you need to be there. And suddenly, that's the best place for ads. And it, I I feel like it's this tennis game between how brands Think they're going to use technology, and how consumers are telling them they ought to use that technology. So I just think that's an interesting dynamic.
1: It is, and I heard a I was in a meeting with one of our customers in New York yesterday, and someone said it just so simply. It's that, and this was a this was a conversation about empowering employees to be more empowered to help customers, and said we we need to we need to give our employees. Better tools than they have at home because right now they have better tools at home than they have at work, and that that's the, that's the start, right? Then it's also defining something that I don't think we really have conversations about, and I've been I've been threatening to write a book about this for years as a follow-on to X, but as you know, there was a little bit of a disruption in the world, and it was this idea of of defining, look what what should an experience be what should someone feel and think and how would they express it if you ask them about that experience rather than how satisfied were you in this moment would you refer us would you recommend us you know just specifically asking you know what what was the experience you had and does it align with the experience we promised and understanding that it's now something that is felt from within that it's Interpreted here and here, and then expressed in terms of how our own filters allow it to come back out. What we need is an experience style guide, right? We have a brand style guide, but we don't have an experience style guide. And I really think that this is what would be a unifier for cross functional collaboration so that there's almost like a baton that goes between customer service, between marketing, between commerce. Uh, between field service, whoever, whatever it is, that we're all working towards designing and delivering that experience and that people then, and we're measuring what people are interpreting that experience to be. And is it adding value to someone's life or is it not? And there's, there's something really important that I wanna share, which is we're all human beings and we all have experiences. There are only two experiences that we remember Experiences that suck and experiences that are extraordinary. Anything in between is forgettable. And that's the thing about the journey that we have to remember. Sometimes when we digitize something or automate something to make it work, or we put in a chat bot, or we put in self-service, what have you, we're just facilitating transactional experiences that are forgettable, uh, maybe effective, but not memorable. And then someone might say, well, why do we need to make everything memorable? Because the digital narcissist expects things to be better, more convenient, more personal. And that is why an experience style guide should dictate then how we use technology.
0: I love this idea of an experience style guide. And I, I want to bring back something you said earlier about, you know, are we optimizing? something antiquated or are we building experiences that consumers are expecting in the future? Um, And so it it makes me think about the retail experience, right? Big brands hire full-time employees and consultants to help them design a retail experience. And the whole store is laid out very strategically. What you're saying now kind of parallels to this thinking and that, you know, maybe we shouldn't be limited anymore to the way that retail stores used to be built that the way people expect to shop now is very different. And so how can we get outside the confines of, well, we have this box to play in and make a store. Therefore, this is, um, you know, this is the, the framework for how we design experiences versus what people expect a shopping experience to be in the future. How do we build for that instead of optimizing on something that it doesn't really confine us anymore?
1: Yeah. Yeah. What a great question. Uh... You know, there is, there is something that, I mean, I geek out on this pretty, pretty uh, extensively. And so let me start with the geek out, but I'll, I'll go back. You know, I did this really great conversation, had this great conversation with McKinsey. And there's a story that you could, you could read it. It's about retail in, in 2030. And what we explored was, Understanding the outside dynamics. Like we just, the reason we said retail for 2030 was let's design a store that's absolutely culturally relevant then, rather than trying to adapt today's store for 2030, just sort of having crazy conversations and knowing things like virtual worlds, gaming, uh, algorithms, things like TikTok. You know, Amazon's experimenting now with TikTok, like vertical scrolling that. These things sort of become the new standard for uh, intuition, uh, for native experiences, mobile devices. We know we'll have Apple Glass or something like that. We'll have more people using Oculus by then, if, if meta has its way. And that means that we don't take traditional retail design and visual merchandising from yesterday's playbook. We take it from game design. We take it from user experience design and user interface design. uh, And we create sort of this physical but also hybrid and then also online integrated experience that's just blended. Uh, And it reimagines then what shelves look like, what wall space looks like, what smells and sounds are, the role of the representative, and then the role of technology in facilitating front and back transactions so that we're catering to people in ways that are more like Disney World meets Roblox uh, than we are in your traditional store with shelves and point of purchase and checkout lanes or even self-checkout lanes and just, just all of yesterday's design techniques. Not saying that there's nothing that we can't borrow from that, but it was just an exploration of that. And so one of the things that I had said was that, you know, we can't really build fixed structures that rely on business models that only focus value on how much can we squeeze out of this design before we need a remodel or, How can we use innovative technologies to digitize these analog experiences? I think the business of whether it's retail or whether it's healthcare or anything, really, that involves people, the business model is remodeling. It's about agility, evolution, and staying culturally relevant is really what I think this is about. And wherever you can bring in insights that push you forward. Uh, in ways that are going to deliver value to the person. Like you said, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, value is in the eye of the beholder. That will help you experiment in new ways that break out of those confines. So we're not just iterating forward, but we're also innovating forward. And that, that's pretty powerful.
0: I love what you've said about culturally relevant experience. And I think you've you've really told the story about the importance of customer centricity and thinking about This is the customer's experience. How do we build the next generation experience that they expect of us? Um, So I selfishly want to keep asking you questions that I have for you, but we do have an audience question that I want to send your way. Uh, This came from one of our listeners who emailed us at podcast at ada.support. Ashton asks, what role do you see technology and software playing in enabling these brand experiences?
1: Well, they're, they're, They're one and the same. There's software that faces the employee, and there's software that's going to face the customer. And uh, I have this one uh, image that I share often that sort of says, you know, a Google experience, an Apple.com experience, your experience, and it's all chaotic and stuff everywhere and discombobulated, and people have to have training manuals in order to figure out how to use your sites and all kinds of verbiage or pdfs and you know it 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 just doesn't work at the speed that our brains are being conditioned to to operate at and how fast we can move and how we multitask so i think about this is why i talk about user experience and user interface design like what can we learn from tiktoks and instagrams of the world or snapchats of the world or your favorite apps whatever they are and then understanding you know you'll hear things like what are the jobs to be done I think about what are the jobs to be done, and then also, how should the job be done? Because we're shifting from what we sell to how we sell. That means that the employee experience and the customer experience have to be incredibly native and intuitive uh, for whatever the series of potential jobs or outcomes are necessary for those given moments. And I think that software, powered by artificial intelligence and of course, leveraged by insights that are connected to the customer or to the employee, we can have real time, very dynamic experiences that software can facilitate on, on, on all sides. But that takes a reimagined sort of approach experience so I think that I know this is a lot to ask but I think that businesses need to look at how can we improve things for today so that our customers and our employees know that we're working on this while also creating a separate roadmap of what would that innovation look like differently I'll give you an example I've been reading and uh, well actually in working with 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 one of these these companies uh, where we're taking the concept of a traditional retail space, and making it for the digital first customer. So you would only visit this space if you are that digital first customer. uh, That software is facilitating uh, pickup in a more delightful and and easier way. Software is blending with your mobile devices, you're shopping and understanding what are some of the solutions so that you're not just browsing all of these different aisles that you can request for assistance and that person will come to you rather than wandering aimlessly through aisles to find someone Uh, And also uh, software on the back end is telling us then what are are the products likely that customers are going to want on those shelves? Because these are usually smaller stores because they're pilots. And so that tells us that we iterate and make things incrementally better, faster. And then we're also exploring what are the ways that we can reimagine the software and the hardware experience for employees and customers in real time and pilot those things and then roll those out. To make the, the next level of iteration better.
0: I love that example. I, uh, I went shopping last weekend at Canadian Tire. Uh, I'm based in Toronto, Canada. So Canadian Tires are go to for everything you need for your house. I
1: know. They're, they're a customer of ours, yes.
0: Oh, there you go. Okay, so I went to Canadian Tire the other day, and actually, my dad taught me something. Uh, it's not quite as immersive a digital experience as you've described, but you can go on the website, put in your home store, say the product you're looking for. And it tells you exactly what aisle to go to. I can't tell you how many hours of my life I've wasted walking up and down the aisles at Canadian Tire, only to have my dad, a generation above me, (laughs) teach me about how to better use digital tools to improve my in-store shopping experience. So hopefully I've imparted some wisdom on everyone listening to this podcast today. That is
1: very cool. That is very cool. You know, you just reminded me of a stat that uh, I had written down, which was in that same research that found that 71% of customers uh, have switched brands. 88% 88% said that the experience that a brand provides is as important as the products and services. And so something like that is an experience. Uh, and then also, how how can you enchant or delight uh, or surprise uh, customers throughout other touchpoints? I, I often think about this as you don't have to redo everything overnight. You know, explore the areas that need improvement that are just n- memorable for all the wrong reasons. Uh, And then where can you add or sprinkle a little magic, right? So like, let's just focus on a mobile first touch point or a mobile first journey uh, simplified uh, or some content or something as simple as the aisle and and where to find that tire, for example, pepper those things in so that you can bring people along at the same time that you're iterating. And then also think about what would, what would a a completely reimagined experience look like and, prioritize then, you know, number one, the cost, but also the ROI that you're gonna have to justify for people who might not be their customer. Uh, and, and then also uh, remember that part of the experience that we deliver outside has to also be delivered inside and that narrative and storytelling to bring people along, to bring people together is also important because it's hard for people to unlearn what they know and we're asking them through innovation to basically, you know, the way I define it simply is to create net new value. Uh, and iteration I would define as doing the same things better, faster at scale, more efficient, what have you. you know, to break them out of that mindset of this is the way we've done it, let's make it better to how can we add new value even if I don't understand what that value would look like until I then can understand it and now I can't unsee it.
0: You make such a good point about balancing what you can do in the short term and iterating to make that great while you plan for a very different future state, because even five years from now, consumer experience is going to be very different. I have two final questions for you, Brian, and you alluded to them earlier in this podcast, which I love. You mentioned earlier that the best, the most memorable experiences are terrible or exceptional. And so I want to ask you about each of those things without naming any names, what is uh, one of the worst interactions you've had with a brand and, and what made it memorable?
1: Well, I mean, I think anybody, no one wakes up and says, I can't wait to call customer service. You know, that I think is consistently some of the worst experiences that I've ever had uh, because I have, you know, I have to make time for them. I have to know that things are going to take a long time and I have to know that I'm probably going to be passed around and not necessarily have... Uh, the, the good type of experience. I know I'm going to have to re-explain myself in many cases. And, you know, I, one of the, one of the studies that we just, uh, just published in the communications industry uh, found that, you know, if you're, if you're a, a customer of, of cable or uh, mobile devices, that almost all customers feel like they're not valued as a customer until they threaten to leave. Mm. Uh, and you know, that, that says everything. So those are the, those, anything that, are, that em- leaves me emotionally distraught or frustrated or anxious uh, or unvalued, you know, or if I feel reluctant to have to go back or, or, or have a reluctant relationship because I don't have other choices. Like those things just, just suck. Or if you're landlocked with price because it's too hard to move, you know, those, those things suck. Um, and you The thing that, you know, I want to share a quote with you, and I I, I don't want to mispronounce the name, but I think it's the Saripa They He said that we don't remember days, we remember moments. And I don't understand why in this day and age we haven't just swallowed that one and said, wow, we're delivering horrible moments. And that's not sustainable, not not in a time where people have become incredibly conscious, they're incredibly experimental, they feel empowered, and they're exercising that empowerment. And that is because we've stripped out humanity from so many of business touch points. So I know this is a longer answer than you want, but customer service, customer experience, customer care, customer support, Customer is not any the customer is not any part of that, at least not the experience that they want, right? They're just all mechanical, process-driven, technologically enabled processes that actually get us further away from the customer, all built on models in the industrial era. In an analog world, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. We've used technology to reduce costs, to scale, and that came at the opportunity cost of delivering better customer experiences, how people feel. So that has to change. And so for anyone watching, I know it's hard because you you don't have resources and all of this is a, a, a cost center. Or if you're listening to this, that's where it starts is the narrative of, of where ROI becomes return on ignorance. What's the cost of not doing these things? How much does it cost to lose customers? And how much does it cost to acquire customers? Because if you flip that and we do the math, because there's always math that can show that these are investments, like any venture capital is gonna look at an investment for a return because they're creating new markets and new experiences. So we have to become sort of like mini VCs within, within our organization is if people, if loyalty is up for grabs and retention is mission critical, then how do we tie that to the ROI of making experiences better and what are the most critical areas where those experiences are, are re- delivering horrible, reluctant engagements? And let's start working together to fix those. And also then as we get better, as we feel more confident, as we get the narrative to the C-suite to see what's possible, let's then invest in creating the types of experiences that aren't going to just keep people loyal. But this also becomes an opportunity for every business to to acquire the customers who are leaving the businesses that aren't doing this.
0: You make such a great point about prioritizing the customer's experience first and using technology in that relationship to rehumanize it. I think um, you know, you've, you've been critical in our discussion so far of businesses using technology to automate or to you know optimize on old processes that still aren't putting the customer first. And I think You have really hit the nail on the head that when you put the experience of the customer first, that will drive, Mm -hmm. sure, that's going to drive you to invest in automation and artificial intelligence, but it has to be in the best interest of the customer because that, in addition to driving cost savings, is also going to drive retention and loyalty, which is very much up for grabs.
1: Final question I have for you now is... I just got to add, you know, and and I'll, I'll write it down so I could, I could expand upon it if, if it comes up, but what we're really talking about is empathy right there.
0: A hundred percent. I feel like we could go on a deep dive discussion about that, Brian. I'll be following up with you. Um, The final question I have for you is about um, a memorable experience that was memorable because it was fantastic. So we'd love for you to name the brand if you'd like, but uh, maybe tell us about a great brand interaction that you had.
1: Oh, boy. They're always so they're always so memorable for different reasons, and I wish that they were all representative of one company. Um, the The ones that I remember the most are those that are that are personalized um, and that are special uh, and that make me feel like like I'm the only customer that they have. And that could be done in such such simple, such simple ways. Uh, you know, for example, Uh, I had to, I had to buy a, a car recently and I don't think the car buying experience is one that is, is usually associated with the word exceptional, unless it's exceptionally bad or frustrating or long. Uh, but I, I, I had, uh, I had someone who took the time to understand what I didn't like about the process and then went out of his way to make the process better. Uh, and even pre-setting certain things, he didn't hit it hundred percent. Boy, there, there were areas that uh, he could have, but but it was his follow-up that was really nice. Um, and he he stayed in contact for a while, actually, uh, just checking on things and noticing some personal things. Did you did some googling, and it was just it was just really nice. Um, I, I I spoke at an event in uh, in Tampa Bay uh, recently, and. I was greeted by one of the events uh, concierge, I guess you could say, uh, and they just met me in the lobby to, to just ask how the travel was and to help just facilitate the check-in, and then left me with a handwritten note that said how grateful they were that I was there. And that was it, you know, not a not talking about a bottle of champagne in my room, although that would be nice too. That note, I actually still have it. It was very nice. Uh, I could keep going, but it's these touches that. And that's, I guess it's, it's, you know, again, it's the touch point. Don't, don't, don't skip over the word touch. When you say things like touch point, the touch is what matters. And that's an opportunity to deliver the experience. And look, if I, if I could, you know, I just want to wrap with that thought with this, you know, cause, because it is about empathy, that's feeling and seeing the world through someone else's you know, eyes and heart and mind. And, you know, that, means that if you desire to create a memorable experience, then it has to be exceptional. And the way that I think about experience design isn't how to make things better that already exist, or isn't just, I should say. It's also like how... I'm a big fan of Disney, and when I wrote my last last couple of books, I used the Disney storyboarding technique, and I hired... Uh, a gentleman by the name of Nicholas Sung, who used to be a former Pixar Disney storyboard artist. And he taught me about the art of storyboarding. I can't draw, so I'm not ever going to be drawing my storyboards. But the process of actually putting those together, I I thought that storyboarding was a way of just sort of individually, using individual cells as a way of sort of communicating what that movie was going to be like, moving things around, so that you, you had things fleshed out before you went through the expensive process of animation. And there's truth to that. But actually, what it really was was about testing the characters, testing the story arc, seeing if it was believable, seeing if it was immersive, seeing if it was memorable, and adjusting accordingly. Uh, And I think about journey mapping is stripping out the humanity of that. And I would think more about customer experience as a storyboarding process, uh, because that is, you know, for people who write the best songs or the best books or the best make the best movies that that's sort of the process that I would think about in terms of experience design, moving forward. It's a different approach and it's not just a mindset. It's a heart set.
0: Ooh, a heart set. I'm going to let that one sink in for a minute. So Brian, before we go, I'd like to highlight some of the key takeaways from our discussion. Number one, your interaction strategy should revolve around the customer first. The best brand interactions are memorable because they are exceptional. Number two, while you're optimizing your current interaction strategy, don't lose sight of the long-term need to innovate to meet future customer expectations. And finally, don't let technology dehumanize the interactions that you have with your customers. Add technology to your CX tech stack to help you be more empathetic to your customers and earn their loyalty. Brian, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciated your insights and the mention of Disney. Any podcast that mentions Disney is a, is a highlight for me. How can people stay in touch with you if they'd like after listening to this episode?
1: Uh, well, uh, I'm at Brian Solis, basically on most of the socials out there and, and I don't have a community manager, so I'm the one reading and, and responding. Uh, that's the best way or, or Brian at BrianSolis.com or BrianSolis.com. You, you choose.
0: That's great, Brian. I'll definitely be touching base to continue our conversation. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can absolutely find me on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Now Brands Talk. If you have any burning brand interaction questions or would like to give us some feedback, you can send us an email anytime at podcast at ada.support. And if you'd like to hear more conversations about closing the brand interaction gap, subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You've been listening to Now Brands Talk, a podcast by Ada. Stay connected by subscribing to the show, leaving us a rating and comment, and emailing us your feedback and questions at podcast at ada.support. Your support and feedback ensure future episodes will address your interests with fresh discussion and insight about how brands talk. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time.